Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording... One of my uh, favorite people in the world is uh, your next storyteller. She uh, has been a part of this show for so long. She's kind of like the, the fifth member of the Beatles if this show was a 60s rock band. Uh, but she's, she's amazing. She sometimes has come up to me and said like, oh, I have a story for next month, and it is, it's awesome. And then there's been times before where somebody drops out at the last second. I'm like, hey, uh, you got something? And then she tells me over and over and over how much she hates my fucking guts, but then proceeds to come up and destroy it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys could give her the round of applause that I think she deserves when I say her name, that would be so awesome. Give her the welcome she deserves. Can you guys do that? That's what I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Harvest Belante. Yes, I got my call from Brendan an hour and a half ago. Uh, so, yeah, and it's never good news when Brendan is calling me. That's <laughs> um, so, we're talking on the phone, actually, Brendan, and, I, and I, I was telling him, I do not have a story prepared. I, I already told my destiny story last year, which talked about going from California to Virginia. So I'm like, that's it. Like, that's destiny for me. I'm, I'm done. I'm full out of destiny. But uh, then we started talking and I said to him, one story that I was interested in developing this year was talking a little bit about my Woodstock 99 experience, because I don't know, not a lot of people have been to Woodstock 99, but we all know about it. So I was like, you know, that was something I was going to talk about, but it's not really a destiny story. And then fucking Brendan says, well, I don't know, you know, um, corporations deciding to, you know, capitalize on something that had been an organic, loving event, you know, um, that's kind of like Woodstock, destined to fail. So he fucking found my tie-in, and now I'm up here having to tell Woodstock 99, destined to fail. <laughs> and um, So uh, let me kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a snippet of where I was in the 90s. Um, I was living in California. I am born and raised native Californian. And uh, so I graduated high school in 96. So 1999, I was in college. Woodstock 99, when it, when it came out, it was announced that it would actually be taking place the weekend before my 21st birthday. So it was going to be in July, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My birthday was on Monday, my 21st birthday. Um, during my high school years, I had become a really avid concert goer. Uh, my very first show was randomly uh, Cypress Hill and House of Pain, which <laughs> is not, if you remember them, um, that, that was not what you, most people would see me and expect to be my first show, but I had followed up with a lot of other musicians and been uh, a big concert goer, seen Tom Petty a lot and Aerosmith and of course all the 90s bands. So when the lineup was announced for Woodstock 99, uh, we're talking Dave Matthews, Counting Crows, some of my favorite bands, um, Live, Elvis Costello, Rage Against the Machine, Metallica, Bush, Alanis Morissette, Jewel, all, all your 90s people basically were, were headlining Woodstock 99. So I began campaigning. This is the weekend of my 21st birthday. Please, anybody, you know, how, how can I go to the show? And uh, it 
I don't know how I actually found this deal, I, I give, because the internet really wasn't around back then, but there was some sort of travel company, it still surprises me that this was not a scam, that was running a package where it was for $1,000... I could get a, a three-day festival pass to Woodstock, um, round-trip airfare from California to New York, a three-day hotel stay in Syracuse, which was kind of right outside of Rome, New York. Um, Woodstock was being held on uh, a decommissioned airstrip, basically, in Rome. And, um, and then the hotel would have 24-hour shuttle service back and forth to the, the festival grounds. So for $1,000, this actually sounds pretty damn good. And again, I'm very surprised that it was not a scam. But I find this deal, and so I start appealing, you know, mother please, I need to go to Woodstock. And so my mom finally makes a deal with me and says, all right, you know, you pay 500, your grandparents and I'll pay the other 500 and we'll get you to Woodstock. Uh, however, she did not want me going alone. Um, thank you. She's a responsible parent. And so she said, why don't you go with your friend? My best friend at the time was this guy, Joe, um, who I was madly in love with. Um, and so the idea of, oh yeah, I should go with Joe because I'm madly in love with him and we'll be staying in a hotel for three whole days and three whole nights. And it doesn't matter that he's banging his married co-worker. It's whatever, because he's going to fall in love with me when we go to Woodstock. Because um, for those of you that have seen this show before, I don't always make good relationship choices. So um, that's... Um, just yet another one. <laughs> and so she talks to Joe, and, and they, they knew each other, and she says, look, you know, I would, he, do you want to go? Yes, of course he wanted to go. She's like, well, write out a little contract. I'll buy your ticket so you guys are on the same flight, etc. and then you just pay me month to month, and, and you can pay me back. So we got our tickets. Uh, I think the show was about three months from then, so we're, we're going to Woodstock. This is so exciting. During that three months, my between the actual ticket buying and the concert itself, my feelings for Joe soured a little bit. I, I don't know whether finally it, it hit me that he was banging his married co-worker and that I didn't have much of a chance. And also, it's maybe a little tacky to be having an affair with your married co-worker. But, um, you know, there was that. But also, I, I was finding a way to sort of transfer my feelings. And I, I mentioned this band already, Counting Crows, being my favorite band of all time. And in 1999, it was like, well, you know, really, I mean, I set out to seduce Joe, but what if I set my sights on Adam Duritz? Right? Because if any of you remember, and I know, ladies, I know you're thinking about the way he looks now, but, like, back in the day, like, it, this is long December. He dated both Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. The man had something going on. So I, I'm like, all right, this is, this is my, my direction. This is my destiny. Um, we fly to Woodstock. We get there. I believe they put us on a red eye, so everybody arrived kind of early morning Friday, the, the shuttle was there. Again, this deal was miraculous. They were there to take us to the hotel. We were told that Corn uh, was actually um, going to be staying in our hotel as well so that we should all like keep an eye out on, on the elevators and, and in the lobby. Um, I think the, the show itself started a little later that Friday, and so we had a little bit of time to get situated and then take the shuttle over to the actual festival grounds. 
Everybody, droves of people walking into the festival. We got our, our lineup guides. They handed us little pamphlets of information, and we set out. Um, I know, again, some of the bands that we saw uh, that first day, I believe, you know, there were a few bands, not as many on Friday, um, but I remember seeing live and, um, gosh, a few other bands throughout the day. I think Rage Against the Machine played that Friday. Um, I was a little tired. I was a little jet lagged. So I actually planned on heading back to the hotel. Joe wanted to stick around because they did, if you guys remember raves back in the <laughs> 90s, um, they were doing like kind of all night raves. So after a long day of it being pretty hot and, you know, a, a lot of overstimulation, I took the shuttle back and to get a little bit of shut eye, Joe hung out and, and watched and went to the raves. Um, I didn't get a lot of sleep because his crazy married lover was calling the hotel room every half hour <laughs> trying to figure out where he was because we didn't really have the cell phone thing going on so much back then. And so I spent the entire night being awakened saying, I don't know, stop having an affair. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just, uh, so finally, I think I got a little bit of sleep that night. He wandered in probably about two or three in the morning. Um, I got up bright and early the next morning, though. I was all ready. I, I remember going with the shuttle uh, guy. He actually took me before the festival grounds opened over to the local store. I prepared for the day. I got sunscreen, which you would never know if you actually saw all my pictures of my sun, <laughs> my very red face by the end of the weekend. But I got all the, all the necessities. Um, I'm talking to the, the guy, the shuttle driver, on the way back and saying, you know, I just wish there was kind of um, something that we could, like, sit down on or you know people I should have brought a picnic blanket he was really nice he's like why don't you take one of the hotel blankets with you and you can just use that okay great so I was set uh Saturday was a great day I headed back to the festival grounds because I had the lineup I had Dave Matthews I had Counting Crows all those all my bands were on Saturday and I had already uh figured out that later that night there was a a, a smaller band that Counting Crows I knew sort of produced and I was like, I'm betting Adam Duritz is going to be there to check on his people. So I'm going to wander over there. So I made sure I kind of, you know, looked a little nicer Saturday. Um, I did, I did get a little thirsty. Now, many of you have probably heard the Woodstock, you know, uh, rumors that, that everyone rioted at Woodstock because they were thirsty and the concert promoters were charging five or ten dollars for a bottle of water. Yes, we've all heard that story, I think, when it came out. Um, I just want to say, and I hate to, I hate to do this to my generation, but, or to all of my fellow concert goers, I was thirsty. I was parched. It was very hot. They were charging upwards of 5 to $10 per bottle of water. But I got my little pamphlet of information that they handed you when you walked in the gates. And I looked at it, and it said in five spots all over the map, free water available at any first aid tent. And so that Saturday when I became parched, I wandered over to the first aid tent and there's a lady kind of sitting there, dozing off, looking bored as can be. I said, excuse me, do you have the free water here? And she gestured to a huge pallet of bottled water sitting behind her and said, sure, take whatever you want. Okay, so I grabbed as much water as I want. So I just, I, when you hear that, if you hear people that ever say, oh, we rioted, we were so angry, $5 for water. 
read your fucking pamphlet. They give it to you. Like, um, so, um, so Saturday was a really relaxing, kind of mellow day. Um, Saturday night, I was ready. I made my way to the emerging artist stage to see Gigolo Ants and uh, check out to see if Adam Durst was there. I don't know if anyone know, knows Gigolo Ants. They were a little band, but um, the guy went on to actually write that Broadway show, um, uh, the one that Tom Cruise updated, like, oh, God, I'm, rock, uh, uh, rock, rock of Ages, yeah. So that's what that lead singer did, little little side note for you. Um, but at the time, he had a, a good little indie band. So I go over to Gigolo Ants, and I, I walk in, and the stage is honestly not, not huge, um, the emerging artist area. And sure enough, I mean, I see it. The, the light catches the dreadlocks, like, like nobody's business. Like, there's Adam Duritz. I knew it. I knew we'd be here. Okay, so I'm like, how do I look? It's only been, you know, 10 hours of being out in the sun and, you know, smell really good, ready to go make my romantic uh, entrance. And so I kind of, I'm watching the show, but I'm also kind of watching him the entire time. And I, I, I start making my way, weaving my way through the crowd. And he's up there because this is kind of what he does. He just hangs out and talks to, um, you know, other audience members. So I, I thought I had a chance of at least tapping him on the shoulder and, and saying, hey, would you buy me a drink for my 21st birthday or something? Um, so I, I make my way and I'm making my way through the crowd. And I, about halfway through, I did realize, oh, I'm still dragging this really ratty um, hotel blanket. Um, so I just kind of just tossed it and let it let it go by the side I'm sure someone used it later for things I don't want to think about but um (laughs) I um I make my way all the way up and I see him and I'm right right behind him within striking distance and I literally did reach out my hand to tap him on the shoulder when Dave Gibbs on stage goes Adam you're out there come on up here man sing with us and Adam like turns on a dime almost hits me in the face but goes right up on stage and Okay, okay, you know, so um, I watched. They did a great duet. It was awesome, but um, alas, my, my, my seduction plan <laughs> failed miserably. Um, after that show, I think, again, I, I kind of, I hate to sound lame, but I did not stay for the all-night raves. I went back to the hotel room because I had phone calls to answer, let's face it. The married woman was still calling at all hours of the night, so Sunday comes around, and the last shows, uh, when you think about it, you know, hindsight's kind of 2020. Uh, I don't know. I understand from a concert promoter's mindset why you would put certain bands on at night as your closers. But again, thinking about the riots that eventually happened, the lineup during Sunday was like Willie Nelson, uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra, Jewel, Alanis Morissette. Like, these were very mellow people to watch throughout the day. And then we were ending with Megadeth and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So it's kind of, so you've got, you know, tempers and temperatures have been rising all weekend. People who haven't read their pamphlet are upset about all the water, etc. And so it's kind of no wonder that we get into uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'd never seen them before. I was, I was excited to see them. Um, a couple things about the actual kind of status of Woodstock by then. By Sunday afternoon, I have these great pictures where I'm standing in the field and it's just littered with trash at all around me. Um, it, it looked like a war zone. It was 
it was so disgusting. The smell, many porta potties had been <laughs> tipped over throughout the weekend. So it it was pretty rank. Um, there were also a few bonfires sort of going that people had set throughout um, the, the big crowd. And so um, when Red Hot Chili Peppers took the stage, it was clear to me that they were high. They, they were on something. And I hate to say, I don't want to cast dispersions, but I don't know any other performers. I don't know if this is a normal thing. Brendan, maybe you're a performer. Maybe you can tell me. Um, when you're on stage, is it typical to say, like, hey, ladies, anybody on the rag? Why don't you guys throw me your bloody tampons on stage? <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right, good. So just, just so we know. Um, but yeah, that was like, that was Anthony Kiedis's like, killer line and I'm going oh god that's mm, some not not good um so that's kind of how he starts the show and the, the show continues to ramp up and people are getting more and more wild and then he goes to all right I see some fires out there why don't you guys throw some shit on stage I want to get some you know I want to get it lit up in here and people start throwing lit fire through lit pieces of garbage I should say through the crowd therein lies your riot like that's that's where the riot began I can tell you I watched this happening and I'm going holy shit like this thing is about to erupt and people do they start throwing lit trash everybody then starts getting scared and running and oh um it did become a little chaotic I was not I, I did not feel like I was in danger per se I did make it out because I think I had been on enough of the periphery of the crowd that I was able to make it out um uh, Joe had rejoined me by that time too he was um done with whatever strange he had <laughs> sampled throughout the weekend and he was back to his good old buddy harvest and um so the two of us made it out. We did find somehow our shuttle driver and um, make it back to the hotel. Um, I know, you know, all of the news and media outlets, of course, were reporting basically that everyone rioted just because of the soaring prices and, and how hot it was and everything. To this day, I have to ask and, and wonder, you know, if hot weather, long lines, and price gouging causes riots, why do people not riot at Disneyland every day? I, that, that's, the only thing, <laughs> that's the only thing I will say about that. But um, suffice it to say, I made it back um, the day before my 21st birthday. I arrived safely. Um, many people have asked me, you know, well, it doesn't sound like you really partied much. And I mean, I am a nerd. I was, like, but, well, no, I wasn't 21 until Monday. It's not legal. I wouldn't, why would I drink at Woodstock? Um, I, yeah, <laughs> I've more than made up for that now, but that was kind of my mindset back then. So I did make it back safe and sound. And um, to that, I, I just will, will say that that kind of encompasses the destined to fail um, Woodstock 99. And also, I, I was thinking about it, I was thinking about this story, and I was like, I do like destined to fail as a title. And we could also use that for the Harvest Seduction Weekend, <laughs> destined to fail as well. It, it works both ways. So thank you guys for listening. <laughs> I appreciate it. If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just enjoy the show, Visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, plenty of ways to pitch your story, and our podcast featuring storytellers from previous shows. Until next time, 
Thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.